500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die g'day everyone and welcome to expand the phantom podcast episode 244 part a our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can subscribe to our podcast via YouTube or through your favourite podcast apps. Um, share, subscribe, like. That sharing is particularly cool because it's that word of mouth and friends sharing with friends um, and fans sharing with fans that uh, brings us into the community, the fandom community that we love so much. So bang, bang, bang on those tom-tom drums and uh, and share the word about the podcast because the more people who listen, um, the the better it is for everyone. <laughs> All right. Um, this is episode 244, part A, as I said. It's the uh, first part of our January and February comics and news podcast. Um, as always, we try to keep it as concise as possible, but uh, those regular listeners know, will know that once the uh, Chronicle Chamber team starts talking about Phantom Comics, uh, it's hard to pull us up. And uh, so anyway, we hope you enjoy the conversation. Part A, as I say, is going to be just the through comics from february uh january and february of this year and uh in part b we'll get on to the uh the rest of the comics from around the world as well as all the news that has been around uh and it's all been pretty exciting in the first couple of months before i can go any further though, i've got to introduce uh the rest of the chronicle chamber team uh jermaine how are you yeah it's a warm one today um but no looking forward to this been uh it's been a hard one trying to get this podcast out but um I, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast and um, hopefully we can do the stories and everything justice. Absolutely. And Steve, how's things down in Victoria? Yeah, not too bad today. Cool change came through last night, so um, wasn't too bad today, but I think it's warming up again tomorrow. So it's not too bad in, in the studio uh, this evening. <laughs> in the studio. Have you got the aircon running while you're in there? or no, the no, I've gassed myself out. <laughs> Flat the battery off, or if I don't. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully one day we'll uh, we'll, we'll see you in the uh, in the office. You were saying a little bit before that we recorded that that might be a show. So yeah, that, that that might be on the card soon. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> there we go. All right, look, we've got a, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. So uh, let's hook straight into it, and uh, we're going to start by reviewing the through publications that have come out since uh, the start of the year. Now, I actually don't have a copy of 1935 um, right in front of me. I'm sure Germ's going to at some point, but there you go. Yeah, so um, I, I actually forgot that this was out before the annual. Yeah. I kept forgetting that there's one before the annual at the start of the year, and had to go yeah. back and get it. It's a funny little one, isn't it? Always wedged in between the Christmas and the the annual. Yeah. Yeah, I must admit, I like it. Um, I do like it. It, it kind of, especially, I like it that it's colour as well. Because you yeah, get the, the last couple of years. Yeah. You get the Christmas edition, which is colour. You get this, which is colour. Um, you know, it's school holidays when, you know, kids are needing stuff to look at and read. And I like the idea of it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So now, if I guess if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see it as we kind of flick through it, um, which all the stories we will have up on the screen if you're on YouTube. If you're on audio, we will try and describe it to the best of our ability and give page numbers where we can so you can either where follow on. Yeah, <laughs> while you're pretending you're working or uh, on the train or, or, or being insociable at work. So for the benefit of those who are listening to the podcast, Dan, what, what stories are in 1935? 
So I'll, I'll, we've got Pirates of the Abbey by Peter Anderson and Giancarlo Calacuzzo in, in the artwork, and uh, it's great to see Peter is uh, just becoming a regular through author nowadays. And then um, it was I really enjoyed the fact that uh, following on from the Christmas annual, we also got another newspaper story in Hello, the Himalayas, uh, obviously by Tony DePaul and Mike Manley for The Daily. But before we talk about the stories, um, we've got on the screen there, if you're on the YouTube, Daniel um, Pachodo's uh Picciotos, sorry daniel uh daniel's cover um which is is pretty stunning i reckon mm. i saw the original of this at supernova last year it is now and he had a big not for sale sign on it and everyone was giving him offers and the offers started at you know uh i think they started about three four i offered him 600 and then the offers, I believe, and I don't know the exact figure, but I think the offer ended up going up towards a thousand dollars. And he he didn't want to sell it, but he just says, "My, I just had to." <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, everyone was just, it was just, you know, like, um, yeah, he just he got an, it's it's a great cover. Um, it's almost a pity. I'm not sure if he knew, but no, but Daniel's just been doing some work for Marvel. Um, yes. so it's almost a pity that he's now got the Marvel gig because it might mean that we might see less of him in a Phantom comic. He's <laughs> in the big leagues now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, look, yeah, it, it's good that he got that gig, and I'm I think it's uh, the Ghost Rider, I think, um, from memory, but um, yeah, it's it would have been nice to see him do some more Phantom work, but you can't be, begrudge him doing some Marvel work because the cover's fantastic. Steve, your thoughts on the cover? Jeez, it would be bad if I said it was, <laughs> if I said I didn't like it. But no, I do. It's, it's great. Um, don't know what if I can pay $1,000, but I'd pay a few hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. No, it's, it's... I'm, I'm, how, how big is the, um, the original? Um, probably two A3s. So what's that, A2? A2. Oh, that yeah, okay. That that would look, that'd be stunning. Yeah, it would. It and would. the light. Sometimes, like you see a cover, and we'll actually get into the comic because we're trying to keep this short. <laughs> I know uh, we haven't even gotten very far. But sometimes, like you see the cover, and it doesn't look as good because there's not the window dressing, like the colours, the you know all that other type of stuff. But it was just the pencils and the inks. But that was stunning on its own. Um, yeah, so I'm not surprised he ended up selling it. <laughs> yeah, is, is amazing, and the lighting is good on the cover, but I'm sure it's uh, just as dynamic in the black and white original. Anyway, good luck, and, and I hope the person who purchased it is really enjoying it and has it hanging on the wall, at least not stuffed in a folder. Um, so anyway, thoughts on the story? Um, so I've got this all over my screen again now. Um, Peter Anderson's... Uh, the the colours in this I think were a lot of fun. Pirates of the Abbey, of course, is the story I'm trying to get out. Um, did you enjoy this uh, this little narrative, Steve? Yeah, I didn't mind it. I when um I when I you know logged on today and thought, oh, hang on, we've got an extra story. Well, what was that one all about? As soon as I picked up the comic and and flicked, and flicked it open, I thought, oh yeah, it's the one where they the they've taken over an old abbey as a like a prison thing, but. Instead of the pot, instead of it being run by uh, 
you know, the police or whoever, it's uh, the pirates have taken over. And um, it's up to the Phantom to, to set things right again. And like, it's just it was just a fun little story to, to you know, like you said, between the uh, Christmas and, and the annual, this was a, a great little story. But it's um, I know that Pete put a lot of effort into it, particularly um, the historical accuracy, if you like. Of the of the actual abbey you're talking about, Steve. yeah, of the, of the building, yeah, um, this one here. Uh, what is it? Um, now I'm going to butcher. I'll butcher English. Saint Michel. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I remember there was a story, definitely East End, um, part three, which had a place in the middle of the ocean and then low tide. And I remember the the, the, the chase um, through that, you know, trying to beat the tide as it all washes them out, going from, you know, between the two points and all that. And I remember really enjoying that, and I got the same amount of fun. As soon as I saw this bit, I thought, oh, we're going to see a, a chase as the tide comes in, um, and I, didn't, I wasn't disappointed. This point here I thought was funny, um, where the Phantom, a guy's getting away, and the Phantom just jumps in after him to try and chase him. And then on the next page, he's like, oh, that was a, a stupid, or I can't remember the exact words he said, but oh, that was a stupid decision on page uh, 11 and 12. Page. Yeah. yeah. What does he on, say? On, on second thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I actually kind of like that because the Phantom, let's be honest, does make a few foolish, silly decisions at times. And, um sometimes you know whether we we like it or whether we don't like it sometimes he he thinks before he acts um, before he thinks yeah. yeah and um yeah i kind of i kind of like that that the the pity was kind of making fun of that trope of the phantom yeah because at the end of the day he's just a human and as much as we all go geez i wish he wouldn't make those dumb ass mistakes <laughs> sorry I hope that's not an explicit rating we've now got i hope he doesn't make those dumb mistakes um then but he is he is just human so <laughs> mm. i like this fight on page oh, is that the, the jail fight with the big fight? yeah the jail fight on sorry my fingers stuffed up which also was me an escape plan yeah, so on page, um, what's that? Page 18 and 19. I'm not quite sure if someone, I'm not quite sure if someone sticking his head in there would be able to, um, open the, probably open the bars like that, but it was, it was kind of funny and yeah, it kind of gave him a bit of a, um, escape way of getting out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, that's definitely something that, uh, you've got to go, you know what? It's still a comic book. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but I, I enjoy it. I, I like the way that um, Gen Carlo's artwork, I think uh, a lot of people give him a bad rap for um, some of the earlier stuff. I don't know, the graphic novel, the first one that came out, there was that was pretty controversial or people had hot takes on, on his artwork at that stage. But I really enjoy it in this in this coloured comic book form. Um, he's quite dynamic. It's, it's, you know, some sharp angles and that sort of thing on the, the human figures, um, well, all of his artwork, really. Um, but I think it really... Um, you know, it's quite enjoyable to, to just pace through. Yeah, I completely agree. It's got a real, and I know he's European, so it's not a surprise, but it's a real European album 
style like you know reading the asterisks and the tintins and lucky Luke's and stuff like that it really reminds me of that um and i think it works well i reckon this will be a story that will be published by phantom men as well um yeah. so i'm not sure if you guys have listened to the podcast yet but um it was fascinating listening to andreas and jacob talking about how they choose free stories to be published in a phantom men story uh phantom men comic and I reckon this will be a story that will probably be published because I think the style of the story, the style of the art and the and the writer will um will ensure that, you know, it will it shouldn't confuse too many Phantom Men readers. Mm. And the fact that it's already coloured as well. Yes, I've just gotta do a uh, copy paste um blue over the top of the purple. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I always like the fans uh, down here on the bottom, um, I can't see the page numbers, but where he's kind of dressed as a monk, there's a there was a story, Sister Stillbot or something, from about seven or eight years ago where he actually dressed up as a nun, um, and that was an enjoyable story. And so this one, I find, you know, where the phantom just ghosts around, it's an enjoyable enjoyable element, and this one was as well. Lots of good stuff in this one. So the second story, of course, was the um, – and, and, and look, yeah, as we flick to that, I really enjoy this whole um, – this genre of phantom stories, I suppose, the medieval English coastline-type stories and, and European travel. Um, I always enjoy those. But we do probably need to move forward to the uh, the next story, which, of course, is the uh, the newspaper story straight on the back of the Christmas um, special, as I said. Uh, did you enjoy that idea of putting, um, you know, people have been talking about, let's get through these daily stories and let's get them into the freezer a bit behind. Do you enjoy the idea of that in colour coming straight on the back of the Christmas special? Yeah, it was a great a great move, especially this story was tailor fit for it. Um, it was short, it fit. Uh, the story was in colour. We know Free likes doing these stories in colour. It just makes sense. Yeah, how, how could you not um, like it? And, yeah, for exactly what Jeremy said, it was um, it just fit nicely. And I'd actually forgotten the story when yeah. um, when it came out. Hello, the Himalayas. What's, what the, I could not remember that story. And, and um, yeah, even, even after reading the comic, I don't remember reading it in the paper. But um, it's a good it was, little, what, yes. what's the word I'm looking for? Um, short? Uh, yeah, I know, it's short. <laughs> but, um like a bookend to Kit's letter home. So you got mm, yep. Kit writing a letter home that, you know, that never gets there, he, you know, burns it on the candle. Whereas um, Heloise doesn't burn it, he, she actually stores it. And I thought that's mm. that's an interesting take between the two um, and the different places where they are and how safe they are and being able yeah. to write write these letters. Um, I'm sure there's a word there that I'm... Are you talking know. about like how the twins are doing the same thing? They're the doing the same thing, but um, yeah, but the ending's slightly different, you know. Yeah, it has yeah. to burn his, whereas um, Halloween's doesn't. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I, I like a little, I, sorry, I really enjoyed the little touches, like on you've got the fifth of the. So go back to where you were just then. Um, so it's the, the start of May, first uh, through fourth of May. Just the little, um, it's a tiny little touch. The tea bag hanging out of the. Yeah. Cup. Has, has been consistent there. And it's just that that tiny little bit, it's going to take Mike Manley about 
A second and a half to draw, I would have thought, but it's just humanises the whole thing. I really like it. And it's probably something that he's brought across from um, Judge Parker, I would imagine, where he's drawing sort of day-to-day um, things a lot more often than he is here. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Juxtaposition yeah. was the word I was looking for before. I just yes. didn't – I needed to make sure it was the correct word before I used it. <laughs> um, what I like about it is I'll, the, the last couple of panels I want to discuss, but I'll get to that later. Um, I like how it it, it kind of wraps everything up as well because some of these stories are quite long that we're getting. So one, the early the short stories are a bit of a breather, but it also um, it kind of in a concise summary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's good. It's interesting that old man Moz doesn't know where Kit is. Um, yeah, how does he find out? Yeah, well, that was the next point that I wanted to talk about is where is it? Sorry, I'll just get to um, this bit here. I'll zoom this in um, where Heloise knows where Kit is, but no one else does. Um, that was the interesting point that I, that I thought as well, Steve, is that mm. um, and I think what's actually good about this is because there was a with the fans, there was a great discussion exactly where kit was you know like the indians were saying you know no no you know no sorry it wasn't the indians some people were saying no you know like a lot of people were confused exactly where he was and then when you know just this bit here and this would have been totally scripted by tony DePaul. he he had this in for a reason and i believe on his website he to clarify for podcast listeners it's a close-up of um Heloise having addressed the envelope and the precise address of the monastery where where mm. Kit is is staying. Um, exactly. Thanks. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I I believe this location came about because a friend of Tony's actually did a bike ride up in this area, and um, he talks about it in one of his articles. So go back if you're intrigued in that. Go back, read that. Um, but yeah, he talks about that's where he got this this location from it was because of his friend's uh, trip. I like it when this panel here. I was expecting it to start getting burned because you've got the the, the candle in the forefront, mm. um, and then you get that bit, which is just a nice little touch. Um, and it's and one it, of the things that she's written already, sort of thing. Yeah, and it's good to see that even though Heloise doesn't quite understand it or probably agree with it, she's she's keeping or well, fulfilling her father's wishes by not, um, what do you call it, uh, diverging uh, the place. Now, this is another panel that I wanted to talk about. Sorry for jumping all over the place. This is the 17th of May of 2021. Um, where she's talking about, you know, if the phantom dies, I need to know where you are because I need to, you know, we need to obviously carry on the mantle. And then what's interesting is that we now know now, looking in hindsight, but Tony DePaul, we should have figured this out when this panel came out, but Tony DePaul started off a, you know, an adventure where we're actually seeing what Heloise is talking about on this panel here. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't pick that up. I even uh, it wasn't until I reread it yesterday or today 
uh, that I kind of picked that up and went, oh. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you're looking at the 17th of May there. Yeah. If uh, people can go and have a look at that. Um, yeah. And look, we know that um, Tony DePaul plays the the longest of games. <laughs> you know, the hearing from him in his blog posts and that sort of thing about the thought processes and the, the seven, eight year, 10, 10 year um, plan that he's got on these things. I thought it was really cool. Can you just flick back to the very last panel of the story? Um, the the last strip um, on the, whatever it was, the 22nd of May. Um, but the very last panel is such a, um, that angle the and that uh, we're looking up at Heloise in the mouth of the Skull Cave. Um, you've only got to put a phantom suit on her and she, that's an <laughs> iconic phantom pose. And uh, so I really, I really like what Mike's done there. And um, whether that's at Tony's suggestion or Mike's taken it on himself, um, who knows, but it's a, a cool little effect, I thought. Um, as you guys have been talking, uh, and uh, Jim's just been saying about those last little bits there, I um I've googled the place, I've, you know, googled the the address, and um there it's right on the China India border. Just in case no one else has done it, um in the valley has been it has been uh, contested between the two countries since the nineteen fifties, resulting in a clash at Namkha Chu in nineteen sixty two and a standoff at. Uh, another place there in 1986. So it's it's not a far stretch of the imagination to imagine that uh, what's his name, Jampa, you know, the death of Jampa mm. could start off an, another um, uh, war or you know another battle mm. or, or whatever in this hotly contested area of um. Well, it says India, but if you ask China, it's probably they say it's theirs. Yeah. Well, we do one of the things we do seem to like about the fandom is how it could be placed in the real world so mm. um tony's done a great job there of identifying a, a, a hot spot that is probably really um really um oh there's a word on the end of my tongue there combustible whatever yeah. in that space and and put the fandom into it it's one but but still one that's not widely known by us in the the western world i suppose no and we would have completely missed it if we um didn't have that address mm, exactly now, before we get on to the annual, um, Dan, we've missed a we've missed a story on our little run sheet from through nineteen thirty-five. As I'm turning the pages, oh, is that the very? Was that um, the? Yes, I don't have it in front of me. Was that the single page story? It's the single page story. His on a walk. Yes, true. I remember that. Yes, hang on. Oh, let me was. while Doesn't... you're holding that up, Steve. Let me pin yep. you. So, for those on YouTube, we can see your mug and the story. <laughs> Um, yes, you're right. This is fun. This is so. This, so we got one of these stories in the Christmas special as well, and then we're getting another one. Um, I like, I like it, and I think this is this doesn't feature the Phantom at all, but um, yeah, like, what are your thoughts, Steve, as you're reading that? It was just a fun little story, of course. You know, mental health isn't something usually fun, and you don't. But, um, you know, the, the poor fellows let, ended up in the mental institution. Um, but, but on the whole, it was a nice little surprise. And I, and I know I'll, I'll get lambasted. I don't care. But um, I, I like the, the Steggy story. And to see his just, you know, riding St uh, Steggy in the jungle, why not? Why wouldn't he be riding Steggy in the jungle? Hmm. Oh, so, 
you, Steve. I, I like the little blip in the phantom normal uh, universe that is Steggy and his and whatever the magic mushrooms Sleeve Fork was on in the 70s that, <laughs> you know, put it on him. <laughs> because it's a, it's, a, it's, a quirk of, it's a quirk of the Phantom Universe. And you know what? I'm really liking the fact that uh, Dudley and, and the Fruku, they're not putting that story on the front cover. He doesn't even mention it in the message from the publisher. It's just a little nugget that you find at the end. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's after the ad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. after the ad for the subscription. You know, subscribe. Oh, yeah, cool, we're, we're done. There'll be probably another ad. Oh, hang on, that's not. There's an ad there, but <laughs> hang on, there's a story. Yeah, it's it's really cool because you're right. It could absolutely have been another uh, ad for a fru crew or a, you know the messenger bag or um, or what have you that has been featured all the time. But they've chosen to put a story in, and um, I, it's a little gift to the fans. I reckon I like it. Yeah, a late yep. Christmas present, wasn't it? Completely agree. I remember. I remember having the excitement just as you had then, Steve, as, <laughs> um, as you opened it up without realizing. All right, so we've been uh, we've mentioned it a, re- a couple of times. We need to get there. The uh, the twenty twenty three annual is uh, among these. And look, we're going to promise right off the bat, and promises we'll try and keep the promise <laughs> that uh, we're going to we're going to we're not going to spend as much time on each story as we just have with the first issue because the annual uh, actually features what are we looking at? Eight stories, seven stories, uh, seven stories, and it's a Graham Nolan special. So before we well. You know, the list of the stories that are in there, they're all um, that little period of time at the start of the 2000s when Graham Nolan was the uh, um, artist on the Sunday strip. And uh, these are stories from that the start of that series. It is called Graham Nolan's Collection 1, which, uh, you know, we can speculate at when number two might be, whether we've got to wait for the 2024 annual before that comes out or or what have you. But the stories were Waduro's Secret, The Lion's Head Tamarine, The Warmongers, The Briefcase, The Snake Goddess's Island, Terror in Mowatan, and The Sinbad Stone, um, about the across that 2001 through to 2004 period of the Sundays. Now, before we, we launch into this, we thought it's probably a great idea to um, to actually talk about who Graham Nolan is, because this is the the first of his run on the the Phantom. Um, obviously, we had Cy Barry for such a long time, finished in the nineties, and then uh, um, Keith Williams and um, Fredericks. Oh, Fredericks, Fred- thank you, Fred Fredericks. Um, or otherwise of Mandrake frame, uh, fame, who took over the art for a little while. Graham Nolan was um, the new iteration for the start of the 2000s. Steve, can you give us a little bit of background on Graham Nolan and, and, and where he fits? Just a little bit. So for those who came in late, who is Graham Nolan? Well, as uh, Dan said, he's the Phantom Sunday artist from 2000 to 2006. And he got the gig after doing work on the collector card story, Death's Dark Plan. Um, for any of anyone who's got that, I can't remember which collector card series it was. Um, uh, gallery gallery card series number one. Gallery card series number one. Um, and so he'd done that story for, for the collector cards. As well, he had completed three Phantom End co- uh, covers as well. Now, he's also well known uh, in DC circles. He's done a lot of work on, on Batman. Uh, he did a he was did a lot of the art on the on the Nightfall series, I think, and I think from memory he's a co-creator of the character Bane. Yep. If I mm-hmm. go and check out his his wiki, um, so he's well known in, in comics uh, circles. After leaving uh, the fandom in two thousand six, he went to work on Rex Morgan, MD, which was later uh, picked up by another former fandom artist, 
uh, Terry Betty, Beatty, who's doing it at the moment. Um, his work, so we've got, you know, section number one here in, in the Furent, uh, 2023 annual, but it's not the first time his work has been collected. Moonstone has collected his uh, Sunday stories in, in two volumes. I've got one volume sitting here. Um, and that was done, I couldn't say when, but the cover on this was done back in 04, judging by the signature. Um, so having his work previously collected in two volumes by Moonstone gives us a bit of a comparison for the annual, I guess. Hmm. Is starting point, is it in colour? The Moonstone is, whereas the Fur annual obviously isn't. Yeah. And there's some differences in, well, in volume one of the Moonstone. Uh, it does have some stories the same. It's got um, Terra Maritan, the Sinbad Stone, the Briefcase. Is the Warmongers also in the... In yes. The, well, yeah, it is. So all four stories um, that are in the Moonstone uh, issue are also in the, um, in, the in the annual. So not everyone would have had the Moonstone. So I'm going to pin you again, Steve. Can you right. open that up and show us an interior? So you're so holding it up, open it up as you open up a normal comic book. Well, so yeah, that's you've the got point. to turn it. So yeah, it's actually <laughs> the right way around. You've got to. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's the old landscape format. Landscape. Um, well, people can, can stop complaining about the replica series then, because it's exactly the same for a modern Moonstone. Okay. <laughs> well, that's right. And so, so basically, I think the important thing, or one of the important differences. Sorry, could you keep holding that up? Sorry. Yeah. So I was just going to turn the page. All right. Yeah. Is you've got it printed as it would have actually been printed in a newspaper. Steve, stop pulling faces. I was actually just trying to look at the screen. <laughs> what was happening next? Um, uh -huh. yeah, well, that's exactly why in the landscape that's uh, yeah. important yeah, for that, because there's a lot of people out there who want it um, as it appears in the, in the newspaper. And I'm sure artists, I, I know um, I've heard comments from Jeff that that's the way he, he likes his art. Yeah. Particularly um, if Comics Kingdom is going to publish it on their website, it should be published the way um, that it's done rather than in comic book form. Um, I might get a bit of hate mail about this, but I'm not too fussed either way, mainly because I read, I'm reading it in a comic book. Um, yeah. So... Okay, well, on that, Dan, letters, what, but, yeah. Dan, what do you prefer? Do you prefer landscape as, as it was originally Sunday or in, I guess, the better way is a, a comic book format where you drop that and it reads as yeah. a comic book i certainly i certainly like the art is and i and i don't have that moonstone book um and it's interesting to see it um i i prefer the look of the art and the way the pa the pages sit when it's landscape what steve just showed but in terms of actually sitting in a chair with a cup of coffee at my side and flicking through a book um, I prefer to read it in the portrait style of the Fru. So um, it, it's you know it's just it sits easier in the hand. You're not trying to balance something across your knee and um, the page is flopping over uh, that sort of stuff. So just in terms of that ease of um, the the reading experience, I probably prefer it this way. Um, but yeah, the look of it, I certainly appreciate it the other way. Yeah, and then it comes down to how do you edit the panels to make it. Fit this, which I know is the the age old conundrum that um, that 
everybody's been getting through and regal recently and everyone gets in trouble for or is praised for no matter how they do it so yeah just, well i've just turned to the, the front page of the the Mawatan, uh the terrier Mawatan, uh story just to try and give it a, a comparison and uh, yeah it probably does sit better landscape but like you said for ease of reading yeah, because those, those panels, and this is, again, if you're on YouTube, if not, we're talking about one page, uh, page 141. Those panels were not designed to fit nicely in a, um, uh, no. in, in a comic book. Oh, while we're, while we're talking about that guy there where my finger is, so he's one of the terrorists. Oh. That's, um, so this is on page 141. Um, that is actually Brian Shedden. Uh, who's uh, who was the creator or the the person behind deepwoods.org? I was just looking. Page, well, it's page one forty three of the of the annual, and um, it's got the the tom toms, the jungle drums, making the, the letting the jungle know that um, the pythons in town, and you got the boom 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 going across panels, and like when you're reading it on the. Actually, if I hold it up, it's cut off. Yeah, if you see it in the original Sunday, where are we here? This page, and you see it's going across the panel. Mm. I thought, oh yeah, let's uh, now let's put the um have a look at the through, and no, it, the, yeah. and that's where it gets cut off. And like, and that's where the problem happens with um going into portrait and things kind of stuffing up. I don't know if yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah you've, got, you've, got, you've, you've got, got you've got. I've got my hand finger right over the yeah. part I wanted to show you. So, yeah. yeah, the boom, boom, boom starts up here, but then comes down here is just cut off. And it's it, it, which is know, a minor thing, but it's not ineffective in this. But it is it. You know, that's that's one example you you've been able to pull. I'm sure we we know from having spoken to them at various times. The artists put a lot of thought into how the panels relate to each other as well, and so it must be frustrating. We 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 think I guess about the resizing and the the different perspective or whatever. But even just the fact that the panel that they thought was going to be immediately to the right is now suddenly to the bottom left or whatever. Mm. They don't interact the same way as originally planned. Yeah. Um, so just moving on slightly, we use both fans reading the strip or reading the, the strip or the comic when the uh, Woodrow's Secret first came out featuring Graham Nolan's art. Like, do you remember what your reaction was when you first saw Graham Nolan's art back then? Is reading them then or...? No, well, look, I, that was actually one of the things I wanted to bring up because um, just the the, the circumstances of, of my life at that stage, I didn't miss buying any frues, but I didn't really read any of the dailies. Um, so um, I just moved town, just got married, all of that sort of stuff, just had kids, didn't really keep up with the dailies. So I don't recall, and I've read um, Graham, Nolly's, Graham Nolan's stories before, but this probably now is the first time that I've, I've been able to stop and have a, a proper, I've really enjoyed the fact that it's a Graham Nolan collection and I've had the opportunity to really read his stories in a similar way to what I just said before about Giancarlo um, Caracuzzi from the last one. Sometimes the... It, it, it's different seeing the story as a progression, all of those panels, not just the the cover art of the stills. And I've um, really enjoyed actually having the collection to to deep dive into Graham Nolan, which I haven't done before. Mm. Steve, were you reading it back then? Um, I don't remember it coming out 
in the in the newspaper. I, I would have read. Well, there was a time where where the Phantom had disappeared from the newspaper for for a little while. I can't remember if it was around in the early two thousand. This is from Victoria in the Herald Sun. Um, I can't remember if it was around that time or, or not. Um, but I would read the paper religiously for the comics. Um, but I don't remember the the Sunday stories back then. I probably didn't have that the comic when it came out. When was it? Two thousand and three, I think it was last published by fruit or oh, 2001 so it was iffy if i actually picked it up at that stage i've got i would have it now 1286 yep um so to say i've got a, a big reaction no i wouldn't have really realized who graham nolan was and it was mm. it would have just been a story so what about you? So that was back in the forum days with uh brian shedden who we were just talking about before and it was the big news back then, you know, in that little circle, which was the, the, the forum, the, the internet people from around the world. Because like, it's like you explained before, Graham Nolan was a big-time artist who was coming, you know, he was leaving his glory, you know, glory DC work to work on the newspaper strip. Now, obviously, we've got a, we've got a podcast out on Graham Nolan and you can learn a little bit more about him and his love with the Phantom and stuff like that. We won't recap that. But to be able to see his art, which was so fresh, which was so different from Frederick, uh, Frederick's style, uh, Graham Nolan's was, was, is, was kind of like bolder. It really brought a lot of excitement back to the newspaper. And I remember also reading from the, the through letters as well it was like wow what's this what's you know like there was a lot of excitement a lot of wow this is something different this is really fresh really new um and we were talking about uh, graham nolan's legacy with dc but i also think that around that era we had close ramifi and tony dupaul writing stories you had uh graham nolan coming on uh, for, for the newspaper Graham Nolan coming on board. You had a um, and then a, one or two years later, you had uh, Paul Ryan coming on board as well. You had um, Elf Granberg really basically being the editor of KFS as well as uh, Egmont, really um, merging the two worlds. This is around when we first saw Rhodia introduced. You know, we saw other elements from the Team Phantom End magazine being introduced into the newspapers as well. So there was a, around that that early 2000s, and then we had Moonstone as well. There was a real something fresh, something new happening around there, and I do credit a lot of that to what Graham Nolan uh, managed mm. to do with the newspapers. It's a shame um, I've missed it being 20, 21 years old and interested more in other different things. And... Uh... <laughs> Sitting as a forty-something-year-old now, and looking back, uh, I'm, I'm always yeah. grumpy at my younger self. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's quickly talk about the cover. Now, last year was it? Last year we had the Cyberry collection. No, was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year before we had the Cyberry collection. This year we've got the Graham Nolan collection, part one. Do you like the fact that cover is not done by Graham Nolan? And this is done by Jason Paulos. Like, where do you sit? In a quick, quick answer, so we can move on to some of the stories. I'd rather have seen it by Graham Nolan, and that's absolutely. I say that 
meaning no offense to Jason Palos. It's a fantastic cover. Really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I just it would have been nicer to have Graham Nolan on the front cover, and I don't know. I think I've seen a message at some point saying that he didn't even know this was happening and would have liked to be asked. Um, who knows what his costing cost price would have been there? Um, but yeah, it, w- it would obviously have been better a Graham Nolan special with a Graham Nolan cover. Yeah, I agree, Steve. Uh, yeah, well, they did the same with with Cy Barry and had um. And Tony Lemos from from memory. Yes, and right. I thought it was a great cover, but it wasn't Cy Barry. I thought yeah. I think this is a great cover, and actually took me a while to figure out that it was um, uh, Jason Pollock there. Um, I reckon this is his best cover he's ever done. Yeah, I thought it was great, and um, but it's not Graham Nolan yeah. featured inside. It just, it just, it almost not not. I don't I don't know what the right word is, but it almost doesn't give it the importance as what a Graham Nolan collection could be. Did it, um, was the Moonstone collection, was that a Graham Nolan yeah, cover? That's, that's yeah, they one. both are. Yeah, yeah right. And are they, I don't know his work well enough. Are they both unique? Uh, like, were they commissioned for covers, do you reckon? Or yeah, are they taken? Yeah. No, they were commissioned covers. Yeah, the, right. other one, the other one is where he's crouching down on the foreshore and there's a burning ship in the background. Which oh, is, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the stories? Yeah, sure. And as a, I, I'm tempted to talk about them as a, like, let, of course, just... let's have a quick t- chat about each story. But there's also, I really want to talk about the, the, the theme it gives you across the three years of the Sundays, which I think is pretty cool um, that the annual can do that for you. Um, so, Wadura's Secret, we've got the the tale of a uh, a young boy who goes missing in some ruins. Um, the, the the bad guys are using um, I the... I love this panel here. Can't really see it on the 10th of September where the phantom looks over his shoulder. Yeah, the colours in that are pretty cool. In the the bit that you're showing us there, obviously it's black and white in the um in the in the fruit. Um, yeah, so it, you know it's it's a bit of a, a, a traditional Lee Fork story in a way that the there's some roughnecks who have taken over um, some ruins that have got um, curses around them, and then um, the phantom comes in and, and sorts the whole thing out um, from both ends. Um, did you enjoy the story? Um, I think you've wrapped it up pretty well. I, I like it. It's got all the tropes. Um, yeah, I couldn't explain it any better. But I, I'm just I'm going through it, and I just there's just some classic Graham Nolan um, artwork, like on this what one. I, on what the I did like flicking through and just if you stay there, and we're looking at the art of the 22nd of October. Uh, I'm not sure what page that is in the fruit, but the top there. Um, has got the phantom waving over his shoulder as he leaves the Lolongo vi- village. That's a Cybari pose. And and I think I see you see that regularly throughout this entire book, um, whatever story you see, is Graham Nolan's really attuned to the artists that have come before him. And they're not swipes, but he uses the, uh, the same sort of angle, um, the same sort of action. Um, not lots and lots and lots by any means, but enough to know that he has um, tuned into what uh, some of the artwork that has made the Phantom great going back over the, over years. Yeah, and like you look at on it. you look at this page here, which is the 29th of October, 
Um, you've got the panel inside a panel. It's full of action. Um, it's dynamic. It's, you know, it's no wonder a, a late teenager, early 20s fanboy, you know, that was when I fell in love with, um, you know, Graham Nolan's work was during this. Um, and I just remember some of the chats that we had on, you know, well, actually it was before social media on the old forums, you know, we were hanging out every Sunday for this, for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And look, isn't that and the the that twenty ninth of October page? Isn't that just? Wouldn't you love to have the original artwork of that up on your wall? Mm. Um, you don't need the dialogue in it to know exactly what's happening. There's very little dialogue as it is. You've got the Phantom in yeah. nine, eight out of nine panels, and that's something that would be um, whoever's got the original artwork for that. It's a lucky man. Yeah. I say, Sexistly, because I'm sure it's not a woman who owns that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, look, it's a great, it's a fun, fun story. Um, I don't really have anything else to add. Should we move on? I do like yep. the twist of who the guy is, though. That's that's kind of nice, you know, warm and fuzzy. So, um, that was a nice little twist with the with the with the. With who Redura is there? Yeah, Redura um, being the father. It was. I thought it was going to be pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's a, it's a nice little touch. Yeah. Steve, did you want to take us? And I'll put you on the spot. Did you want to take us through the Lion's Head story? Lion's Head Tamarine. That's a. It's a, a bit of a different story, you know. A bit, a little bit far fetched that a monkey can can choose the next ruler of, of the of a nation, but um. Anything can happen in the Misty Mountains, Steve. Anything can happen in the Misty Mountains and quite often does. Does, so, exactly. <laughs> so for those of, for those of you who, who are unfamiliar with the story, um, we're, up, we're off to the Misty Mountains. We, we check in on Rex and he's got to go and pay his respects to his neighbouring country. The country, they've got to, um, well, elect a new leader, I guess. Or It's not just a, a father-to-son type thing. You know, uh, the king and then the prince takes over. No... A, it, it's got to be actually nominated or, or chosen by a, a lion's head tamarine. It's been done uh, since ages gone by, and the the tamarine has got to choose the the right, the, choose the air, if you like. And um, of course, there's a, a general, or I'm assuming it's a general from from memory. It's some member of the of the palace guard who wants to take control of of the of the country. And so he's going to do everything he can to make sure that the young prince doesn't come back to the country. Uh, is foiled every way he he can. And then someone reminds me about the lion's head tamarine, so he goes and releases all the tamarines. And uh, so the he's going to be the one who's going to take control of the, of this little misty mountains nation, and no one will be able to stop him. And that's the way the story will end. Of course, he'll he'll become the the new emperor and rule with an iron fist yeah of course not this is a phantom story the bad guy is not going to win but the way that he loses is a little bit fun yeah and, and i love that um that that uh Ramethi's found the way to honor the honor the ancient tradition of the tamarine picking the the ruler um and bring that around and it's all a bit trite and a bit um silly but it's it's fun <laughs> it's it it, yeah. it it harkens back to those old Lee Fork stories about the Misty Mountains uh, and the the twelve tasks and all these silly things that uh, you know uh, m- mean so much. Um, I, I thought it was really cool harkening back to that. 
Yeah, look, it's not my favourite story. It's probably my worst story. Maybe that one and there's the Snake Island one, I think it was, from memory. In the ball. Um, yeah, they're probably my two least favourite ones. It's just, um, you're right that it's got all the classic tropes with the Eastern Dark and all that, but the thing that, the thing that frustrates me, and this would be probably the only thing I'll say about it, is I kind of get over that another new Misty Mountain Kingdom is named. You know, you know how, how, how large is the Misty Mountains? Or is it the case of that every time one ruler is overthrown by the Phantom, they rename the country? That's the only way you can explain it all. Because there's just like, I don't, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I reckon we've probably seen, no jokes, I reckon we've probably seen 30, 40 different kingdoms in these Misty Mountains. There's a lot of mountains there. What are um, these top? Yeah. <laughs> but is, is there even that many um, uh, mountains in the Himalayas or, you know, the Great Rockies of America or something like that? It's just, <laughs> it's, um, it will be nice to see if these creators, instead of creating new and I know, you know, this is 20 years ago, so, um, but it would have been nice if they actually kept using old ones instead of trying to keep coming up with new yeah. ones each time. I, I understand where you're coming from, but by the same token, we've just talked about how we like having a stegosaurus and a cave monster. So, well, um... no, you <laughs> said you liked the stegosaurus and the cave well, monster. Okay, the story so was I'm fun, so but I'm didn't... happy for them to keep coming up with new misty mountains, and I'm prepared to park the fact that there's not enough uh, mountain tops to, to justify it. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Move on. Um, the warmongers. Uh, the so, uh, Jim, do you want you, do you want to give us a summary of that one? Uh, no, that's all right. I'll keep flicking through while you talk. This is a right, great. So um, just... This is a great uh, for those who come in late, though. I think this will have been uh, Graham Nolan's first one that he'd done. Absolutely. So this so is that's a... page sixty-seven of. Yeah. Go on. I was just saying this is another classic yep. phantom story in a sense that it's the piece of the golden ox that is being destroyed and you've got an ex-villager who's you know who's trying to cause trouble and in this case he's trying to you know um as you can see back here um you know trying to get the diamonds that are that are on the riverbed so yeah the the idea uh, that the bad guys have come in and they've um you're going to take advantage of an ancient tribal custom where they just throw rivers in the sorry, throw diamonds in the river, throw diamonds in the lake, um, and they're going to go and scoop them all up. But in order to have the privacy to uh, to do that um, outside fishing hours and all the rest of it, uh, they've got to cause a, a full on jungle war uh, between the two biggest tribes in the jungle and threaten the entire jungle piece by stealing the uh, the golden ox, as you say, which is a which is a um, you know, a, uh, an element of the Phantom Universe that Lee Fork brought in in the Cyberies, um, in, in terms of how he keeps peace in the jungle. So, um, I, I really enjoyed this story. I think, uh, and I think if I, th 
so far, certainly, as we go through the these first stories of Graham Nolan's and Clay Strometheus' author, and I've certainly been critical critical of Clay in the past, um, but I think the way that he's used a lot of Lee Fork type stories, um, you know, ones that people would be very familiar with. With the, dynam the, the dynamic nature of uh, Graham Nolan's art, I think it really must have brought a lot of people along for the ride um, as we as we changed creators. Well, dare I say that when you, if you're a fan, you probably enjoy this change more than what you would have seen before. Mm. So I think that would have brought a lot of excitement. It was like, oh yeah, look at this. This is you know this is great. Um, and it's very, it's very, it, it's traditional phantom, you know, the, mm. the, they're the most, the, the most, the most diehard fan focused cannot fault these stories. Um, because, no. you know, they're almost, you know, they're almost, it's almost like Clayce Ramifi was rummaging through Lee Fork's journal or desk after his death and found a stack of plots from you know, that he never yeah that he never got around to writing or something like that because it's 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 like that it uh, is places has um copied lee fork's storytelling so well mm. no absolutely agree all right, um, unless we've got anything burning to talk about that story, the briefcase is the next one, and this is the one you were talking about earlier, Germ. Um, this I one has the cameos, Dan. Yeah, this one has the cameos. But, look, the briefcase, um, uh, just the quick synopsis, uh, a, um, a clerk in a law firm has escaped or was going to sell um, the, the crucial evidence in a mafia boss's uh, trial. He was going to sell that to the mafia boss and um, but then got uh, they escaped with that evidence when they realised that they weren't going to pay him. They were going to um, kill him uh, instead, so that the fewer witnesses and all the rest of it. So that that classic story, I suppose, of mob bosses and retribution in organised crime and that sort of thing, um, basically has the Phantom uh, chase down a briefcase um, that the that the kids have um, uh, kids have got off the clerk. There's. Um, Oh, Pete Klaus in the middle of our screen and Ed Rhodes. Uh, Pete uh, and Ed. Ed probably especially is a little bit more, um, uh, what would you call it? And I'm sure Pete won't uh, mind me saying this, but Ed was probably a little bit more forefront, a little bit more internet savvy than what Pete was or is. Um, but they did a lot with the Phantom in the early, late, you know, probably from about 96, 97 onwards to probably... 2004, 5, 6, they did a lot with the fans and they researched a lot. They got a lot of information from um, uh, about Wilson McCoy, about Ray Moore, uh, a lot of interviews and dissecting stuff with um, uh, Lee Fork. But then even old American creators that no one had a clue about, like George Wilson, who was did the Avon covers, the uh, the Gold Key covers, uh, Bill Ling, uh, Lingnanti. Um, hopefully I said that right. Otherwise, uh, there's a, a specific person who will tell me off if I spelt that, if I got, if pronounced that wrong. Hello, Daniel. Um, and, you know, there's a few others as well um, that they 
did amazing things researching and bringing information out to fans before the internet was really taking over. And to be honest, it was probably the precursor to Chronicle Chamber as well. They're probably like mm. our grandfathers in, in a sense, you know, like, um, oh, no, very uh, you know, and like, and then they were even before Deep Woods as well. So it was probably, you know, you know, Ed and Pete, then the Deep Woods, and then us, and then there's a couple of other websites out there as well at the moment. And originally, when Ed was still alive, Chronicle Chamber actually had permission to reproduce some of the articles uh, that were published on the Friends of the Phantom newsletters. And then to do our due diligence, we have just recently checked with Pete. Uh, one of the ones that we've just recently re-released was a Claire Moore interview where he talks about his where she talks about uh, Ray, her husband, um, who was still alive when they did this. Well, no, Claire was still alive when they talked about it. So we've identified there's about another half a dozen to ten uh, interviews and artists and information about artists and creators that are no longer with us, which we, over the next probably year, will continue to drop some of those as well. Um, and, of course... For those on Patreon, all of the Friends of the Phantom newsletters are on the P3 Phantom Preservation mm. Library as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's let's keep marching through the um, the stories in the annual. Um, the Snake Goddesses Island. I found this similar to the um, to the first one about uh, you know temple ruins, uh, an old legend. But um, where whereas in the first one, would a secret? It's you know someone's got a knock on the head and and decides to take on the 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 form or the guise of Wadur. The snake goddess is a bit more um, uh, supernatural, and there's no there's no explanation about why people's you know why the snakes are there or why the goddess is is doing what she is. Is it hypnotism? Is it um, actually mysticism? Is there something going on? Um, so it's interest. It's an interesting story in in that case, and and um, Tony DePaul has, has spoken about this. But the Sunday the the Sunday adventures are the spot to do these sort of stories in. The, you know, you you bit of a supernatural thing or you bit of a mystical thing. The things where they're not quite in reality. You know, you got to you know, um, what's the word? Um, suspend uh, disbelief for for a little while. Mm. And you talk about stories like this, the visitor. Uh, the Temple of the Gods, you know, mm. some of those stories from recent. Yeah, look, this is probably probably my least favourite story out of all these. I didn't like the story when I first originally read it and I didn't like it when I reread it and I still don't like it as I'm flicking through it now for those YouTube listeners. <laughs> so anything uh, I'm still flicking through, but anything else that you want to raise? I guess, and I'm, I'm absolutely scrambling to find this on Phantom Wiki, but I, I am thinking that this is the last of the uh, Clays from Methy Sundays. It is. Uh, yeah, so this was the last of Clays from Methy Sundays. And Terry Mawatan, the next story is the first of Tony DePaul's Sundays. And he's obviously, um, well, the the following story, which is also in the through here, is the Sinbad Stone. Um, that was not Tony DePaul. But this basically marks the first, that, that's the only one 
since that April 2003 that uh, is not a Tony DePaul Sunday. So this basically marks the start of Tony's run on the Sundays. Um, and and it's interesting, and I'll be uh, keen to see what you think, Jim, on the back of what – oh, sorry. Yeah, on the back of what was just said around um, the the snake – the snake um island being such a terrible not terrible but not not a great story but then moving into tony DePaul, um not in the not in the fantastic though which is what he has said about sundays in the past i've just made a, an absolute mess of that last minute or so boys i hope you were able to follow what i was trying to get at <laughs> <laughs> so you're going from this supernatural mystical story which yeah, might divide fans to an absolute classic set in reality and has had repercussions ever since it first started, or first published in 6th of April 2003. The storyline is still very much on today. Yeah. So with the with the um, mystical stories that we've talked about, I don't think every story, every Sunday story is the myst- you know is mystical or no, suspense. it's not. But it disbelief. gives you license to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so, sorry, Dan, I uh, don't he's really a, He's moved on from it. He's yeah, no return. I'm not really sure where you want me to, uh, how you want me to follow on that one. I was kind of lost. Um, but <laughs> no, yeah. you, you made well, a mention. I lost myself, mate. <laughs> you made mention that this is a classic great story that I do agree with. Uh, and so following on from I can say, good, you can make a card game out of it. Yeah, you might be onto something there. I, I'm I'm surprised no one's done that before. Hang on. <laughs> um, of course, we're joking. Hello to Mikkel, who has made a brilliant card game out of this story. And you make mention of this because out of this, we had several stories with uh, the Python. Then when he got captured by the Phantom, and obviously he tried to kill Diana, and there was that huge saga. You then had Nomad, and then he calls all ends of drama, and then you've got the Nomad who's maybe out of the picture now, but then you've got his family as well that we may see more back. And yeah, um, look, I personally I like the Python. I reckon he's probably one of my more favourite bad guys out of out of any other Phantom. Any phantom stories? Mm. Be top five easily, and maybe even top top. Mm. I love his backstory as well. Of sorry, of being a prince of a Wambezi chief, and he turned his back on that. You know, and then there's story. Was it in here? Yeah, here where he was playing with the twentieth phantom and. You know, so he's known the Phantom for a while, and then he turns it all away and, and and stuff like that. I just, I just love that, love that story, the backstory. Mm. And uh, talking about the villain, like, is this the first? Is he? Is he apart from the Sing Brotherhood? Is he the first real reoccurring villain in the strips? Oh, uh, yeah, Gen- yeah, General. Oh, General Babadu, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. You've got even the Singh Brotherhood didn't really reappear that much. Like if you go through Lee Falk's stories, there's the first story. Yeah, they're mentioned in other stories, but the, Lee Falk didn't actually. And I might be wrong, 
But the Leaf Hawk didn't actually write other stories with him battling current day Sing Brotherhood mm. pirates. Um, just often mentioned in the um, you know, for those who came in late. Yeah. So they 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 keep in your memory. But um yeah. in regards to the actual strip stories, you don't you don't see them much. Yeah. Um one thing I did make I did forget to make mention two stories back is that I think about two stories back is when Graham Nolan hit the his sweet spot when it came to the Phantom. He's right in his sweet spot now. But oh. I think that was when he started the sweet spot. I think the first two stories he was you know, he was learning how to draw the Phantom, getting that, you know, the right, and then about two stories, so that would be, you know, probably from the Warmongers, the briefcase onwards, is when his stories became, mm. his, with the art, became great. Well, this one's brilliant. You cannot, I'd challenge anyone to knock the art on this one. Oh, even the story as well. It's, yeah. it's amazing. I, I love this bit as well. Um you know, good dog. I hope you hold those guys until the cops get here. Be careful. That's an awfully big dog. Now, of course, <laughs> we know it's not a dog. but And then, of course, you know, next panel. Oh, my gosh. It's a wolf. So, um, yeah. I, I, I love this. Yeah, I love this ending here where the thing that I love about this story is that the Phantom doesn't win. It leaves it open for a sequel. Yeah, and it took quite a while to get that sequel, but um, <laughs> but you know the Phantom doesn't win, and this would have been. But he doesn't win. He saved a whole building full of families, yeah, but young he children. Didn't, he didn't catch the bad guy. Yeah, but he saved a lot of people. How yeah, say he didn't win. Well, he didn't. All right, he he, he half won. Uh, the bad guys still alive. The Phantom actually knock out the bad guy at the end and then deliver him to the police or the the um, jungle chiefs. Yeah, and where this is probably, this, I would have been a fan for probably six, eight, ten years. I reckon this would have been probably the first daily Sunday newspaper story where I you, I didn't actually see that. Um, mm. Briefly, and I know we're running out of time. This is also the first time that. The Cartwrights are mentioned in the newspaper stories, and Bengetti is also mentioned in the sto in the stories as well. Bengetti, which is a slum area of Morristown or Mulligan. So, so, given that this is you know Tony DePaul's first Sunday story, he hasn't taken any time at all to get in some of the um, the characters and the settings that he had been using in in his Funderman stories uh, through the late nineties. And then, of course, you've got uh, Sarah Cartwright here as well. Mm. And you know, yes. it it has been. You look back at the at the the fullness of the history of the fandom, and it really is great. I think that um, that Tony, someone like Tony DePaul, who was writing um, for Fantaman, and then was able to bring a lot of those tropes and just, and really tie those universes together. I think it's something that um, you know a lot of people, and we've talked about it endlessly on the podcast. On I know. But uh, the fact that Tony was in that position to bring the best of over into the what people would regard as the official law. Yeah. So we've got, well, some people but, will regard. Uh, just want to put up, you can see about the cart rights. The, in that first story, there's cart rights. Are they in relation to Sarah? We've got Laurie Cartwright? No, they're different cart rights. No, they're, they're not related. Of town. 
Yeah. <laughs> the cousins that no one talks about. <laughs> um, what was the we... I was going to say something, but I can't remember. Oh, we've actually got an article on our website which lists a couple of those tropes and elements that have been brought into the newspaper stories from uh, Clace and Tony as well. So um, it might be worth digging that one out. For those All right. So the last, the, and, and put the link on the screen or something, Jim, or in the, in the show notes so people can find it. Um, look, the last, the last story in this is uh, unique in it's the first, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, it's the first and still only um, story daily or Sunday that was ever published that was written and drawn by the same person? Officially, yes. Um, there's rumours that there might be, that Wilson McCoy might have uh, wrote some of the stories and, 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 and some other stuff, but Graham, this is officially, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's credited. Yeah, credited, that's probably a better word. Yeah. Uh, Graham Nolan also, um, this story is probably more known for the fact that Graham Nolan actually showed uh, the Phantom's face, which now is a fairly Very common occurrence, but um, I remember, yeah, <laughs> I remember. I actually first time I contacted Graham Nolan was when this panel here came out, and we're talking about the twelfth of October in what's that? That would have been uh, twenty two thousand and three. I remember asking Graham about it. Um, he said, I can't remember exactly, I've still got the email somewhere, but he said, um, he said, I did it because it was such a, like a touching moment between the couple and we were like a fly on the wall as they were having this moment. It was something along that. And I remember reading it and I'm like, yeah, I like that. Um, so in a way that you couldn't be mad at him for doing it. Well, I was I was just curious because I remember the forum chat where it was like, you know, how dare he does this? He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a fan. You know, same outrage that has happened with Tony DePaul and Mike Manley today also happened 20 years earlier with this panel here. Um, now, well, I'll tell you what, if we're a fly on the wall, that's effectively Maunteen because we have just... <laughs> the <in> space. <laughs> um, now, you may mention that Graham Nolan wrote this story. He also wrote another story for uh, Phantom Men. Now, do you know, I'm, I'm assuming you know, but some people may not know. So do you know the reason why Graham Nolan wrote this story? I actually don't know. Okay. So the reason why um, Graham Nolan wrote this story is because ar around this time, someone who's a motorbike enthusiast... Um, oh wrote himself off and badly broke his leg and badly broke other parts of his body and was out of action for a little while. And so Graham created this story. Um, and then I think Clace Ramifi created and came back and created a story or something as well. Um, but yeah, so um, a shout out to Tony DePaul. Uh, have you learnt your lesson yet? Um, <laughs> but look, this isn't my favourite story, but I do like, I fell in love with Diana again reading this story. I loved, really liked the way um, Tony DePaul, uh, I mean, Graham Nolan drew Diana in this story. Um, this wasn't 
this isn't one of my favorite stories, but I like it because the Phantom and Diana are having a holiday and having some time to themselves. And uh, I just thought it was kind of it was kind of nice to see the human side. Do you, what do you think of the story? It's always nice to, to get away. And once again, we get into the this not supernatural, not mystical, but legendary. And we've got this mm. legendary Sinbad stone that um, the bad guys are, are after and has been going down for uh, centuries, if I remember correctly. Maybe, maybe as even as long as the, the Phantom, or even longer than the, the Phantom's been going on. And, um, and the bad guys are trying to find it so they can have untold power mm. um and the way they're trying to get, find the stone is you know let's let's shipwreck a, a whole bunch of uh ships and take their crew and they're going to be our free labor and as they're doing that one uh one survivor has escaped and that's that and as you're saying phantom and, and diner are on on holidays and they come across this this poor soul and uh, help him out a bit and uh, the, the sets on the phantom on, on an adventure what's interesting though is that it's not separate from the adventure previous there's carryover in regards to the phantom's injuries so um you know often you see next week new adventure and you know it's like starting afresh again but mm. here we've got the carryover from his injuries from the last uh story which you know we mentioned at, at the start the start of the story is the phantom in bed and and donna looking after him and then as the story progresses he's still got a bung wing um, which is made note of uh, later on in the story. Which is this page uh, here if you're on, on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. So I really appreciate that and it's something that, of mm. course, has, has carried on throughout um, Tony DePaul's tenure. Um, even though Tony didn't write this story, he, he does, well, I'm assuming he gets a shout-out in the story, seeing he's the, the survivor who's just happens to be shipwrecked and, you know, doesn't look like he's going to make it, happens to be called DePaul. After you know, a certain fellow just had a <laughs> heck of a mo motorbike accident. Yeah, Graham had a bit of a dig at him. I just thought I it was am nice. deep Paul. You must help us. Yeah, look, I liked like this is another panel here. I probably can't see it that well on YouTube, but you see all the cuts and the and the grazes on the. Oh fence. yeah, he's badly beaten up. Yeah, and but what what you know with the Phantom, no matter how badly beaten up, as soon as there's a a problem to to solve or a problem that needs work or action. He was strained to his gear, and mm. off he goes. Mm. That doesn't even give it a second thought. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Right. The last thing I want to just bring up about the uh, the annual, um, Dudley mentions it in the message from the publisher, the last paragraph there, where he apologises for the reversion to a, uh, a lesser quality paper. Um, he terms it there. Um, how did you guys, uh, what did you guys think of the paper quality? Is it something you noticed? Is it something that you're right. concerned about? um thoughts in this in the annual i didn't notice about it because the print quality was good on my copy at least um, yeah i had no issues with it on my end later in one of the other issues that if you're still with us if anyone's still with us and that we will get to very shortly i promise uh i noticed it more because my copy had some printing issues um the moonstone collection i mentioned actually has printing issues it's got pages out of order so it was actually nice to read uh the through issue with all the pages in the correct order oh there you go <laughs> to jump back and forth between stories or pages mm. or whatever it was i wonder if yeah we won't go there because that will open up another can of worms 
if there are any fans out there that want to drop us some hints or some topics or some uh, their opinions as we review this review stories ahead of time, uh, you can. We've had a couple um, that have given us some some opinions as as um, as they go. So one of them was that one of the, one fan raised the same issue as us about the fact that he would have liked to seen uh, Graham Nolan uh, be the cover artist. And then he actually also noticed the paper quality in this this annual. We didn't, but uh, this fan did. So um, I just thought I'll do a quick shout out for for his comments as well. Dan, you're going to introduce cool. us to the next issue, I believe. Uh, well, it's it's one that's not listed in the spreadsheet, but I, it is. It's the replica that came with the <laughs> um, replica of uh, number thirty-three, um, Bent Beak Broder. I assume you guys uh, went through, like the Moonstone. It's uh, the cover is printed in portrait, but you've got to open it landscape to enjoy the Sunday in all of its glory, as it would have been printed uh, back in the 1950s. I assume you guys have uh, gone over this studiously? You've assumed um, wrong. Yeah, you're assumed <laughs> wrong. The only good thing about this story is that it's the first introduction of the alias Mr. Walker. Oh. oh, I actually like I like the whole story. I think that that, uh, that that is a cool historical element. And I'm not certainly going to dwell on this because we've discussed the replicas backwards and forwards, but we've at least got to acknowledge that they exist um, and that's uh, a cool little addition to the collection as far as I'm concerned. But we won't dwell on it. Let's jump into... actually go and read it. <laughs> Let's actually, jump in. Hang on, just one question. My copy's only got one staple. Does yours have two staples? Uh, it does. It mine's got two. Yeah, mine's only got one, and it's only a half staple. So, right, uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Clark. I've got a yeah, Trevor Clark. I've got a variant. Do you want to buy it off me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump from the annual, and then that uh, collector's number thirty-three. To collectors' replica series number thirty-four, um, as it would happen, as a coincidence would have it. Um, but issue nineteen thirty-seven uh, was, of course, the uh, replica from nineteen fifty-six, and it contains replicas of issues 100, 900, uh, sorry, one hundred ninety-nine and ninety-eight. So we're into the single digits. They're not far off meeting. Where I guess the the talking point about this one's going to be the Glen Ford cover again. We saw last year Glen Ford did the covers for all four of the collector series and each of those was in a really retro sort of a way or that or a noir cover that he did it really it, it spoke to the times this is a slightly different take you it, it, it looks like a still going forward obviously but it's a different sort of a cover what did you guys make of it i prefer the new york i prefer the last year's style hmm. i like yeah i like i like the noir the noir style this one it seems to give a shout out to, um, mm. I'm assuming that's McCoy, particularly the the, the image artists. that's upside down. Mm. Um, also, I, you know, I just thought of Game of Thrones or Gladiator or something when I saw the all the swords and stuff that he's bursting out of. But that's about as much as the story, of the issue I've looked at is the cover. Actually, yeah, old stories yet. You're right. the uh, The other phantoms behind the swords are in the McCoy, uh, in the McCoy, in the more or the McCoy style. Um, I guess Is that the you know, more McCoy style. Yeah, exactly. 
recognizing what is uh, in inside. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Jim. I preferred what Glenn was doing with them last year, creating his own cover. Usually, mostly they were themed around one of the stories, like the the boxing one was one in particular that stood out. It was the one that that did quite well in the the fruit cover of the year last year. Um, so I did I did enjoy it when uh, Glenn was doing those those styles. Uh to be fair, I actually do like his pose of the Phantom, apart from the fact that he forgot to draw a ring. Um, maybe he was drawing Superman. Um, but no, look, it was just, it was, I enjoyed those covers last year and then we got this and it was, it was kind of like, oh, I was looking forward to another noir one. Um, especially yeah. because he was selling them on, um, on his website as well. And yeah. so it was, it was interesting to see how quickly they went. Um, of these maybe, stories, maybe at the time they looked like that, yeah, um, that had a fair bit of effort put into them, and I'm assuming that, that they were painted, they look they seemed painted anyway. Um, yeah, they were. So, what's worth making mention is it included the winner of the round the world contest, a 15 year old person won the won this contest. So they were traveling to Honolulu, San Francisco, Hollywood, New York, London, Rome, and Singapore. Oh, Man, not bad. I have a fifteen-year-old back in. Man for bad. Yeah, <laughs> we might, that, There's a podcast right there. We should look up Errol E. Marshall. He was fifteen years old in 1956, uh, so he could well still be alive. I'd love to hear the story of his round-the-world tour on the back of a, a Fru comic win. And this is what they were. This is what the competition was: is you had to count how many pygmies are in this picture. We might have to bring that up as a social media post coming up, but um, we won't count it now because it will make a very two thousand twenty-three. Yeah, it will. um, We won't count them now though because it will make a very boring podcast, and this is going quite long enough as well. What did you think about the stories? The only thing I wanted to comment about this story really is that uh, I made mention in our um, uh, best of 2022, three, whatever podcast um, that my I'd gotten a subscription for the comics for my 14 year old. Um, he came to me after reading this, and the big thing he wanted to know was, can he still get this phantom ring that is advertised? <laughs> the back cover and dad did you know if i just cut this out and post that in i could get a phantom ring and he was the most disappointed kid in the world when i had to explain to him that that um offer hadn't been live for about 70 years (laughs) so the address is 70 bathurst street sydney i wonder if they still get many um cutouts of that (laughs) time to time (laughs) um look the stories are good i the seahorse is probably my favourite out of the three, the Seahorse, Queen Samsa, and the Slave Traders. Slave Traders, obviously, is the first story that was published by Fruit. I love, we were actually talking about this today, guys, I love the wit and, dare I say it, the sarcasm in occasionally in this story, but the, the, the humour element of the Phantom in the Slave Traders I actually really did enjoy, but Apart from that, it was a myth story for me. But the seahorses would have been my favourite out of these three. Yeah, seahorses is just a classic story. I think. Um, although I do like Sense More and the Sixth Man. That's um, you know that that's one of those um, uh, phantom being chased by a uh, um, 
a spinster princess who needs a husband sort of thing who who fixes her gaze on him. I, I like those sorts of stories as well, and, and that's certainly one of them. Yeah. So did it ever happen to you? No, God, no. Just <laughs> <laughs> through his hero. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I ordered uh, milk at a bar. And think, if I order milk, it's going to happen to me. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um. So one of the fan comments that we received about this was uh, smudging on the thinner paper quality, uh, which we hadn't seen uh, for quite a while on the newer paper quality. Um, let us know if that's happened to anyone else in there. It's happened with my next issue, but uh, it didn't on my copy of that, but it didn't happen on my copy of this. Uh, did it happen with you guys? No, mine's good. Yeah. Mine seems fine. Yeah, so maybe it was just the extra trip across the nullable that um, melted the ink. Um, but anything else you just wanted to talk about this one? No, no, I'm keen to move on to through 1938, actually, if you guys are uh, ready to go, because um, I, this is the these are some of the issues that I look forward to the most, I think, where we've got um, – it, it's – you know, we've just talked about the annual and, and other books have got multiple stories in them. This has got um, two stories in them, but it's a, a fresh cover from an Australian artist. It's a fresh story from, um, well, it's a, it's a sequel to a story, um, but it's still fresh because it, and, and it's written for fruit by an Australian artist, uh, sorry, author in Andrew Constant, Raphael Dantas, uh, South American, I want to say. Brazil, yep. Uh, so Brazilian artist, and then Shane Foley has got a, a got the backup story here as well. So it's one of those um, it's one of those stories on uh, issues that I'm so glad through putting out where they are commissioning new stories, new artwork, new covers, all the rest of it. This is this is what's gold about through at the moment. I think. Mm. Um, yeah and no for me. Um, so uh, we'll. So, Ibis Mystery Part 5. So, some people may be wondering, where's Part 1, 2, 3, and 4? Have I missed this? They were originally published in... Well, they were originally published back in, 19, in the 1990s. They were re-published uh, in 2020, which was 1873 to 1876, which is about 60... No, about 70 issues ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Gra uh, Grange Wallace, as you made mention, did the covers of there. If you look in the message of the publisher, you can see a little thumbnail. Um, if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see that. If you're on uh, audio, uh, go to a Phantom Wiki or open up your copy of the comic to have a bit of a squiz at that. Um, from what I understand, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to share this, but we'll just share it anyway, is... When they originally released that, they were planning on releasing part five as well, but due to some uh, some issues with I don't I don't know the exact story, it the the program the, the story development actually got pushed back, and that's where Dante's Raphael Dante's who's this is his second story has um, has created the sequel. So if you are for those who come in late and you haven't read those past issues, get them out. Or if you can't remember, get them, buy them, because they are quite possibly some of the better stories, if you like, fantastical elements of The Phantom. So I'm if you do like the fantastical elements, definitely get them. 
if you're not a huge fan of the fantastical elements, I would go as far as saying they're probably less fantastical as part five, maybe. Um, but basically, it starts off in Egypt. You have Chafu, who's the bad guy here, um, was buried alive because he was shacking up with someone who he shouldn't have been shacking up with. And he comes back from the dead and he's been causing trouble. He's been running across, um, what would you call it, um, uh, paths with past phantoms like the 21st Phantom, the 19th Phantom, the 20th Phantom and stuff like that, um, trying to get his woman who he's still in love with. Uh, obviously, the Phantom rescues the day and solves the problem, we assume, until part five, which is what we get now. Um, so, yeah. If you like fantastical stories, get it out because it is worth reading and my recap would have not done it justice but did you remember the stories i can i can't give you like a plot description but once i, I read the um oh once i read part five here i remember oh yeah that's that fellow he kind of possesses that guy kind of looks like yeah. a bit of a rat i guess and um did you enjoy the story the original the original yes i enjoyed the original ones yeah and this one has a, a very different feel I, and i guess that comes from the the, the different oh, artist yeah um uh, originally it was carry lapanan yeah and well, the art style is a lot very more different yeah the art the, yeah, the art style is very different this it seems lighter in in that way there's a lot more white space yeah um a very good and point. also the the pygmy seem rather big yeah um, Dan, first of all, did you enjoy that story as well before we move on to this current story? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> the, not. Not a big fan of the fantastical stories. As a, you know, I absolutely know, hear the hypocrisy in saying that I enjoyed Steggy and his, but I don't enjoy fantastical <laughs> stories. Um, but, I, yeah, the the magic and the, the um, yeah, fantasy elements of the Iris mystery. I didn't enjoy it the time when it first came out. I didn't enjoy the second time when it was re repeated. Um, I you didn't mind part five, but oh I, really? I did. Well, oh, I, I didn't mind it, but uh, but I didn't feel it was didn't feel it was necessary. If I can say that without being rude, um, I didn't feel like I got to the end of part four of the Iris mystery and thought, gee, I wish there was another one. Um, anyway, I I didn't mind it. <laughs> yeah, it does put a full stop on him. He I don't think there's any way of, of, of Chaffee or Chaffee, what's his name, um, coming back. He's, he seems to be gone this time. Well, yeah. it's hard to imagine a bigger um, end point than actually, you know, and if I can spoil the story, but um, the him actually being in the Phantom and trying to take over that human form um, and not being able to do so, what's the next thing that could possibly be? Surely this is the full stop. Yeah, no, he's crushed. Yeah, um, I, I will admit, I, I'm not a huge fantastical story person either. I enjoyed Ivis Mystery. I think it it skirted the edges without going too far over. But this story, I think, went well past that edge of my um, comfort levels. Uh, as you can see, if you're on YouTube, you'll see some of the scans are quite smudged. This is what I was talking about, the smudged. Um, 
You're right about the art style, uh, Steve. That was probably the first thing I noticed um, was that, well, I, I, I enjoy Raphael Dante's his art. I own some of his art. I talk to him quite regularly. I really like him as a person and his art. Um, it doesn't match Carrie Lapinen's at all, but I think he does do a good... Um, there's a few pages in here that are just amazing, stunning, uh, that I really, really like. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of this story. I, It's just... You know how sometimes, like... Um, it reminds me of it. I'm going been going back and re-watching the Sniper movies, which have got Billy Zane in there, of course. Um, but sometimes it's like, oh, do you have to create another sequel? Um, I almost feel like that's the case with this one. Is like, oh, you know, like it's it's almost like they created a sequel for the sake of creating a sequel, and it was just poorly executed, in my opinion. Um, and it, I, which is a pity because I like Andrew as a person. I like Raphael as a person. I like Raphael's art in this story. Um, but I'm not a fan of the actual story plot. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I'm, I'm it, kind of the I'm kind of the opposite. I I don't mind the plot, but the art's kind of irking me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what what irks you about the art? That doesn't suit the story. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, it, um, and it's very different than um than the Carrie Lapinen. So, if you didn't read Carrie Lapinen, would it irk you as much, or were you comparing it to Carrie Lapinen? I'm comparing it to the earlier stories and, and the darkness and the and the mood of that. Um, yeah. And this, like the the arts, uh, his previous story was the Outsider, uh, the Outlaws. Yes, that's correct. Um, which had a fun element to it. That, that was like Billy the Kid or something from, from memory, yeah. a, a Peter Anderson story, which yeah. was jovial, was a bit comedic, and I, I felt his, his art style suited that sort of story. I remember I didn't really like the story in The, oh, the Outlaws. There were some elements of the story I, I didn't like um, in some of the slapstick nature. But, um, but the art suited the story, whereas yeah. I don't... And that's taken nothing away from the art. I think the art's great, but I just no, I don't think it suits this story. Yeah, I, I think that might be. Sorry, Seb. Yeah. I think that might be why I don't mind this one um, compared to the other ones, which I I just didn't enjoy at all. Combi the the mystical elements or the fantastical elements combined with the dark art probably made, tipped it over and made it too much, whereas this one is a bit more fun and you go, oh, yeah, it is fantastical and it's comic style and not serious. Um, no yeah. one's taking it seriously. I think there's some panels here, like I'm just that's why I'm keeping on this page, 10, 11 and 12 are darker, but, you know, um, this I, this is the page, one of the pages that I said that I really like, page 13 of him running through That brought it back to me. Like in yeah. in the you know the the figure in the shadows type type element and he yeah. looks evil and I thought yeah th this is what the the original Ibis mystery was yeah about, this evil fella in the in the dark and yeah um, I think yeah that that works well I like that sort of bit I thought oh here we go we're getting back to what it was and then it it wasn't this I think I think up and I think from here onwards the dark the dark I'm not sure if that's the right way to describe it but the dark darkness element of it is okay but um this is probably for me 
I didn't like this whole, you know, chaffer, um, you know, becoming, getting into the Phantom. And See, then I really the like Phantom, that. you know, um, you know, then the Phantom beating him because, you know, the Phantom... The, the, yeah, I really like that, but I wanted to see more of it. I wanted to see that as a struggle within. And all we see is, you know, on the outside, over and, um, it, and it's over very quickly. I was waiting to see this battle like within mental, the Phantom. Like, to, and inside the, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with battle, you on that, Steve, yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing this battle of Wh Wheels, you know, personified in, you know, figure of the Phantom and figure of, Chaff of Chaffee, um, battling it out. With of course the Phantom uh, winning. You what we got... had, um, sorry, I was just sorry, just jumping quickly. The story that you reviewed in the um, New Year's podcast, which was the Chaos and yep. Cyberspace one, you could have always had like a battle, a fantastical battle like that, where you know of the Phantom and Chafu. Could you could you imagine the? Um... There, it would be limitless. It would be, you know, mm. your imagination would be the the limit of it because you, you think about what's going, what's the Phantom has in his mind, and you've got four, five, you know, four hundred eighty-seven years of of Phantom that they could be battling around, and could, you know, think of if you've watched the the multi, what's it, multiverse of madness, the the Doctor Strange movie, um, yeah, which didn't really go into different multiverses. Imagine all the different pages of the Chronicles that they could be battling battling across and, and it just does Chaffee's um, head in and yeah. the Phantom just gets him down and then 20 Phantoms are just... Well, and he could almost, uh, like, he gets away from one Phantom and then he has to fight another Phantom. Yeah, and he then, just... You know, and, yeah. Yeah. and like, um, like Garan said, you know, Tremble, I'm, I'm not scared. You, you, you're in a dangerous web. I would have loved to have seen that web. Mm. So, Stephen, you're a, um, and this was brought to my attention for one of our fans who, um, who, uh, raised it. You're, you're probably the fan here who reads the most non Phantom comics. Are you aware of some other story plots where the, where the, um, bad guys taking over the minds or the consciousness of heroes. Are you aware of some of those other stories? There, I wasn't aware of the ones that have been um, shared with us. I am aware of, of other stories where that happens. Like there's a, uh, I want to say, it's Dead Man, uh, who's a DC character. He can kind of possess people and, and well, he does in the, in the Flashpoint um, uh, series. I'm, I'm sure that's his... Um, thing anyway that he's able to possess people and, and get them to do things but um no i wasn't um familiar with uh, your fan he says uh in final crisis with Darkseid taking over batman yeah and i think there's another one there with ogan taking over wolverine i, I wasn't i'm not familiar with those storylines mm. yeah so it's just interesting do you um i guess this fan was a little bit critical of the fact that you know he's just like oh i've read this before do you think it's okay for these story plots to be borrowed from other comic stories and repurpose for a phantom story do you have does anyone have a problem with it or there's, well there's limit len you know we've just talked about 
like you know, um, those stories where the fan, the, the, the what do you say, a spinster or, or some uh, a woman or, or royalty, or it could be pirate queens who just become infatuated with, with the phantom. And we see dozens of stories like that, mm. and we enjoy them. We see dozens of stories where um, phantoms beating uh, Bababu or, or the Sing or, or whoever it is. And and we just talked about tropes that we like to see, you know, Cy Barry tropes or Lee Falk tropes that we'd like to see over and over again. So it depends why if it's a good be, story. Why can't it be the same yeah. where we it's a, a story that's had some success or a story, you know, a plot device that's had success in another um, hero? Why don't we um, have a plot device, that bring that plot device into the fandom? Like, it's not like um, these other um, heroes or comics haven't drawn from the Phantom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan, anything to add? No, I absolutely agree with most of what Steve there said. To be honest, uh, said there, um, I, it would have been really nice, I think, to have that that um, battle against, even if not all of the previous twenty phantoms, at least against the ones that we saw in Ibis one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. um, would have been cool. So um, revisiting those and having that as part of the internal battle and that sort of thing. Um, would have been good, but it would not have left room in the issue for the uh, <laughs> Strange Day of the Witchmen Part 1, and it was pretty cool to be able to see that. So um, let, let's pivot towards the Shane Foley Fantastic story. segue there, Dan. Well done. Thank you. I was working. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pivot to the Shane Foley story, the Strange Day of the Witchmen Part 1. Now, I know, Germ, this will have a special place in your um, in your heart or your interest because of the fact that it's the ninth phantom and the ninth phantom when, um, you know, putting together the phantom Bible is one of the most difficult phantoms to to reconcile. Um, and the fourth son, the Lee Fork story from the 1980s, um, is one that is is hard to fit in with uh, what's been happening. We saw the, the really popular Flame special from uh, that was only published about six months ago, which told a completely different story about the Ninth Phantom. And we see here Shane Foley actively trying to to bring those worlds together in this story, The Strange Day of the Witchman. Um, I think he, yeah, I'll be interested in your take on how he's done that. Um, but, the, yeah, where, where do you want to go with this? Do you want to talk about the story first? Do you want to talk about the Ninth Phantom first? How do you want to go? Let's talk about the story and then um, we'll go from there. All right, so um, so the story, look, I'll, I'll be honest, I read this quicker as, as the time for the podcast drew closer. Um, I think there's some really great artwork from Shane in here. I found myself getting bogged down, though, in the amount of um, narrative, if you like, yeah. the amount of, um, and we've had this criticism before of, um, of Team Fantaman stories and the historical stories in particular. But when you, you're looking at almost paragraphs per panel, um, and, and I'm looking, this I guess. Page here, this double page spread is probably a good example. If you yeah. To... Well, the whole first three or four pages, to be honest, mm. in, in a. Do you, oh, yeah. Do you, think, do you think that was done because of his space restraints that he has to create these short, snappy stories as fillers you can't have you know and and what i've noticed and you will be better at this as actual um uh english teachers but i've noticed that seeing his 
seeing we're seeing the story not as it's happening, but as he's retelling it in the Chronicles, yeah. it allows him to, and you'll correct me, I'm sure, if I'm saying this wrong, but it allows him to use extra words to describe it where he doesn't have to use extra panels. Yeah, it becomes like prose. Yeah. It does. Yeah, and it is. It's prose that he's reading from the Chronicles, as you say, um, with the with the illustrations then just showing maybe what this, what's in the Phantom's head as he's the, the current Phantom's head as he's reading the old story um, before it develops into a story. So I, I just found that it was, and look, this is probably due at least in part to the fact that Shane Foley is so meticulous in the way that he ties his stories to past stories. And, and we, we keep talking about how that's something that we like to see. Um, he's super meticulous and, and he wants to demonstrate, I guess, all of the ways that he's, um, I, I don't know if I'm being fair in the way I say this. Um, I, it looks like he's certainly demonstrating all the ways that it's connected to past stories and the interactions and the, the crossovers and every way that it's connected um, and fills you in on the entire backstory. And uh, that's that. That's probably really effective for a lot of people, particularly if you haven't read the past stories. Even if you have read the past stories, you can enjoy seeing those connections. But I did just feel in those first three, four pages, and again, I was trying to read it in a hurry. So that's probably not a fair way to to, to, to review something that has a lot of um, narrative writing amongst it too. But it just did so feel like a book. Yeah, for me, I, I wasn't in a hurry. I um, actually picked this up on a Thursday evening and got permission from the wife to not be bothered for an hour um, from the kids or from her. And so I devoured it slowly, read it twice, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, now, for me, yeah, the, I'm intrigued where this is going. Um, there's a few things in here. So you've got... Um, uh, well, actually, first of all, is there anything else about the story you just want to discuss, or can I go? I enjoyed the story, I, and for me, there's no argument. The mm -hmm. ninth Phantom is the run. He's the he's mm -hmm. he's Kit Four. What's this flame business? I I don't know about this flame business. It, it's interesting this panel that you you've circled on here, Jim, and uh, the people who have read this will know because it does. <laughs> In the first instance, it feels like a cop out, and maybe Shane, maybe that's harsh, and I'm sure Shane will prove me wrong in part two. But um, to say that other tales have recorded that the Nice Phantom wife was <laughs> flame, this situation has yet to be explained. Um, yeah, it, it's a that's really difficult one to explain. <laughs> For me, I knowing Shane, he's got. Um, He's got something up his sleeve that that sentence, that little bit there, is being put there for a reason. We talk about um, Tony DePaul, how he foreplans, and you know maybe Shane's not five, ten years in advance, and how he's writing and planning the stories. But Shane thinks very similar as Tony DePaul, where. Things aren't put in there by accident. He's, you know, he's meticulous, which what, you know, you, you gave him all those high accolades. And so I reckon he's got that for a reason. And I reckon he's got a story up his sleeve. And I can't wait to read it for him explaining how the knife, the night phantom can have flame 
and also um, the the daughter uh, of the great Mongol leader um, Vahata. Mm. I'm I'm intrigued of where he goes with this. It, it would have been cool if instead he's, instead of saying this has yet to be explained, if he'd said this will be explained in part two, that would well, uh, be on the edge of my seat. I the chronicles no, that he's running isn't in, in two parts. The chronicles is one part. Yeah, well, this is kind of like an editorial's note, though. So, um, anyway, the other points that I wanted to quickly raise: uh, you, you see the ve the the veiled or the veiled lady. Um, so, this is actually the first time we actually see in a story about the maidens actually being um, sacrificed in in the Leaf Fork story, and then there was also a Team Phantom End story features this extinct volcano um but in this story we're actually seeing that happening um so that's a cool little nod as well the other little nod that i want to make mention is the rattle um again this isn't put in there by accident by um by shane foley because there's a there was some uncertainty on which phantom was the first phantom to see the rattle that was left behind. So again, Shane Foley has seen a hole or something that has yet to be explained. And I reckon we will see that explained. Probably won't see it explained in this part, but again, I reckon Shane Foley's put this in. So that way Fru's knowing that, hey, I want to write a story about the rattle see if it needs to be published soon and then maybe I can do an original and my little story to go on top of it as well. Um, the, the art style of that panel looks very... Um, mm, yeah. And this here, I'm not sure if you used to pick this up. Um, so this is my last point, I think. Uh, when word came that one of my three brothers affectionately called Kit One for Kit One, so Kit as... W-U-N, or Kit One as it was in Cy Barry's story, uh, we see him coming. So it'll be interesting to see if we see the other brothers uh, coming eventually as well, because in the Cy Barry Lee Fork story, uh, we never see him past the wedding. And, no. and maybe that's... Be, maybe there's a flame there. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. But then what happens to this Night Phantom? Oh, oh one more, moment. one more thing, one more thing, and we can blame Shane Foley for keeping this going long because he's stuffing so many Easter eggs in this story. Um, where was it? It was yeah. down here, uh, where he. So in the Lee Fork story, I'm not sure if this is what you're talking about, Steve. If not, I'll let you have a go afterwards. He talks about how he's short of stature, and then oh, I like that. Yeah, he explains that seeing I'm short of stature and I need to keep the the mythic elements of the ghost who walks alive and well, I have distanced myself uh, to kind of keep that mysteriousness alive. I thought that was a good element as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve, was there something you wanted to talk about? Sorry, I completely missed the little people on my first when I was reading it. Ah, uh, yes. There you go, the little people. Very well. Yeah, again, that's one of those little things that um, that Shane would have added in. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, 
Shane uh, adds a lot of care to the story. I like it. Um, I like what he's doing. I like to see more from him. Oh, he's a very deep thinker about um, the stories that he enjoys and the the way he wants to, you know, stay within that universe and write the, the you know, fill the gap, as you said before. So mm-hmm. um, no, hat is off to him. And I, all right. Even though you mentioned about all the all the text, I I didn't feel bogged down in that. I, I thought it flowed nicely from in my mind. All right. Yep. Fair. <laughs> um, just a couple of quick notes from fans. Uh, one of them said that he loves Shane Foley's artwork and storytelling. It gets better. Love the Easter eggs, the rattle, Prince Va- Prince Vlad, um, and he's called on through to give him more full stories and not just backup stories. Uh, we made mention of the storylines, which is a direct copy, which was raised to us by another Phantom friend uh, or fan. And then someone else made mention that um, about the Ibis story, Andrew Constant's sequel puts him in the wheelhouse, in his wheelhouse, i.e. the supernatural. But readers need to reread the Ibis mystery as the, the story weighs heavily on supernatural elements. And he is in the same uh, area as Dan, which he goes, it's not my phantom, uh, but then he said that he likes Dante's artwork. So thank you, fans, for dropping your feedback. Again, if you want to, if you want any of your feedback, you can be named or not named. Drop us a, a message on Facebook or email, and we can give it a shout out during the podcast. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of the Fru comics. And look, we've been talking for much longer than we probably thought we might, um, which is not uncommon, I suppose. Um, but what we might do now is take a break. We'll call this the end of uh, part A of the comics and news. And uh, we'll come back in our next episode, episode 244, part B, with the uh, the reviews of the international comics and the, uh, um, the Sundays, the dailies, and all of the news that has been around the world lately. So thank you very much for listening to this first part of the comics and news. Um, Make sure you check out uh, everything on our website, chroniclechamber.com, uh, or email us, chroniclechamber at gmail.com, with any suggestions of what you might like to um, see on the website, uh, hear on the podcast, um, or certainly any uh, tips or hints or news of your own uh, from the Phantom Universe. Um, if you want to be notified of new articles as they go up on the post, make sure you're following us on social media or sign up on the website with your email address and you'll get a, uh, a little notification in your email inbox whenever something new is posted on the website. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports the podcast through Patreon. Um, obviously, uh, well, if you haven't already noticed yet, uh, if you're not aware, Patreons are receiving the uh, first access to the podcasts, a little bit of uh, early access there. Um, they do get some extra podcast videos uh, from uh, often from times we've had interviews that have gone on a little bit after the credits, if you know what I mean. So a little bit of extra um insight there from some of the creators and the interviewees that we've had um and of course your early uh, patrons at the moment are also getting early sneak peeks of uh the artwork and all the rest of it from the new phantom video game which we're going to talk a little bit more about in the uh part b of this pod um if you are keen on any of that now's the time to jump up and support us and thank you so much for all of the patrons who are doing that we really appreciate your support of uh, what we do and uh, making it so it's not a financial detriment to us to uh to host all of this stuff online and, and all the rest of it with the prizes and stuff anyway um i've gone too long you want to get to part b that'll be up in the next couple of days thanks very much for listening and until next time happy family
with you 